Did you ever wake up and realize how did I overcome so much in my life? Well, yes, I haven't. I am so grateful for it. Every day that goes by, I have learned that life is about growth. The more you grow, the more success you will have. In this podcast, I interview women that have battled against the unthinkable and have found the power within to succeed through it. Join me in my journey as I share these amazing stories of women rising above it all. Hello, and welcome back to The Power Within with Courageous Women. Today, I am welcoming Jamie Perkins. She is a mom of two daughters, a transplant from South Cal to New Hampshire, lover of music, creativity, and spirituality, always striving for peace and balance as she helps healers through her specific storytelling methods. Welcome today, Jamie. How are you? I'm great, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, You are just one of those people that I gravitated towards um, in the very beginning. And I just want to say thank you for always being so positive and supportive and empowering and willing to listen. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And you know what? It's so funny that the other day somebody said, um, what is your superpower? (laughs) And, and, and I, and you know what I said, I'm a really good listener. (laughs) (laughs) Look at my daughter got me this. I'm a mom. What's your superpower? (laughs) (laughs) And it sits right on my desk. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We are, we are super women with a lot of superpowers. For sure. That, that, um, those shoulders are pretty big, you know? <laughs> they are, but I prefer to think that my heart is big. I love not, that. I'm not carrying that. the weight. I'm inviting it and attracting it. So it's not so much a bad, you know, it doesn't have a negative spin for me, but I got to tell you, when my kids were little, I definitely did not have that wherewithal. So I get it with little kids. Yeah, I get it. Yes, yes. So you say this from experience because your girls are already... 24 and 26. There you go. Okay. But I love that. I love that you shared that because for me and for other women that are listening that do have little ones, we feel that way, right? So you're going to share with us a little bit about um, your journey and um, because it's important for us women to know that there's no such thing as perfection. Okay. Okay. There is no such thing as perfection. Right. And sometimes we, we, put, we try to put ourselves here where it's not necessary, you know? Yeah, um, sure. We are all strong women, okay? Mm-hmm. Courageous, just like this. this when, the word courageous, I think, is, is powerful enough to say that even when you feel the fear, right. we step up. Right. Okay. Right. And yes. when, when I, when I asked you um, to join us and you shared, and I also saw you in another group about, um, about sharing, you know, your story, I was just like, Jamie, yes, I need you, girl. I need you <laughs> because we are not perfect and we have so much heart, you know, and yeah. we need to share that with the world. 
Absolutely. And that really is that vulnerability piece. That really is the only way that you can sustain success. You might have, you know, if you're, if you're not being authentic and you're putting out what you think people want to hear, um, then you might have some growth, but it's, it's going to plateau. You have to remain consistently authentic. And that's difficult because of the imposter syndrome and comparison that we as women deal with. Um, I found a design online. I have a, a t-shirt line as well, but I found a design online that I just loved and I've been tweaking it and making it my own. But basically it says slay in your own lane. Mm. So that's a perfect um, imposter syndrome reminder, right? Um, but my daughters, um, neither were planned at least not by me. <laughs> I believe they were planned, I believe they were, but not by you. <laughs> I definitely believe that they were planned by God for sure. Amen. Yes, um, they were. They were 100%. Um, and one of the things that I want to make sure that I let moms know that are listening is that you are, are, not you could be, or you should be, or you can be, but you are uniquely qualified to be the mom to your babies. So when I say that, I want women to understand what I'm saying, because it doesn't matter if they weren't planned. It doesn't matter if you're 19 or if you're 49, you are uniquely qualified to be their mom. And so to embrace that and, and know that even your obstacles, your hurdles, your challenges, you are, are. And I want people to hear me when I say you are uniquely qualified. Because we tend to um, say, you know, when I lose weight, I'll be a better mom. When I, you know, am a better Christian, I'll be a better mom. You know, there's always these moving targets of success um, instead of saying I, I'm, I am uniquely qualified to be their mom. Um, and, and that's, you know, adopted children, that's grandparents raising their grandkids there, you know, all across the board, you have to embrace that part of motherhood, um, fatherhood as well. Um, that's very important because when I, my kids are 19 months apart. I got pregnant both times on birth control. Wow. Both <laughs> wow. For, for, wow. <laughs> that like, I, that like, what is it? 1% or less? Yeah. Than 0.01%. Right. Zero. <laughs> I, I found out on my daughter's, my oldest daughter's first birthday that I was pregnant with my second. Um, and so I remember the doctor saying, ah, well, you know, you're just fertile myrtle. And I looked at him <laughs> and that's not funny. Just so you know, that's not funny. <laughs> like, it's not funny. It might be funny to a guy, but right. that's not funny. Because at the time I was in such personal turmoil, yeah. you know, oh my goodness. And I was like, how am I going to do this? 
how am I going to do this? And then, you know, the next week I went and found out I was two months pregnant already. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even get like eight months to prepare. <laughs> Process it, right. You know, so then of course I'm counting the days of seven months, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. So if someone had said to me, you are uniquely qualified to be these girls' mom. It would have made a difference in my world because that's what I was feeling is, oh my gosh, they're, you know, I'm 25. Yeah, I was 25 when I found out. And so two kids at 25 in a horrible domestic violence relationship and no stability. I was like, you know, um, and, and on top of it, I was on welfare. I was living in the projects in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, gunshots every night. It was, I was just in a place of complete overwhelm, um, at the time. So, and then being married to someone who was physically, verbally, mentally abusive, um, and knowing that I didn't have any, I didn't think I had any choices. Because you do, you always have choices. But when you are so emotionally invested in giving your children what you believe you missed, when you're so emotionally invested in that, it's hard to see the choices, you know, because I was like, you know, I've got to make this work because I didn't have my father in my life, you know, so I was like, I got to make this marriage work, you know, so I have to figure out ways not to piss him off, you know, and to do everything perfectly, exactly the way he wanted. Um, and, you know, you learn the hard way that there's no such thing. No, there, there is no such thing. Um, and, and so through the domestic violence, you know, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and, you know, when you, when you feel the life draining out of you and you're looking into the eyes of someone who you absolutely loved with every ounce of your being, and you can tell that that's not the person. When you're looking at that person, but you can tell that person's it's, lost. It's not the lost. same person anymore. It's right? not the same person. Um, he's blonde hair, blue eyed, and his eyes were black. And he had an expressionless look on his face while he was choking me. Um, and I can remember thinking, before I passed out, I can remember thinking, um, <laughs> I can remember thinking, I can't leave them because I can, I, I can vividly re remember as I'm passing out that if I leave them, they're going to be stuck with him. Um, and then I passed out. But I woke up to my oldest daughter laying on me and just screaming at the top of her voice, stop it, stop it, stop it. And that's what woke me up. Um, and, and that's why I'm here. And we left the next morning. Um, and through some really 
just really just horrible misinformation. Um, I lost custody because when I left them, we were in Maine. I went and filed the temporary restraining order. His mother worked for the state. So the domestic violence shelter said, I'm sorry, we can't offer you shelter because his mom knew where all of the safe houses were. And their first priority was to the guests that they already had. So they put me up in a hotel for two nights and then they were like, you got to figure out, you know, what you're going to do. Um, so I'm from Southern California. So me and the girls drove across country. And when I got there, I went to file another temporary restraining order and had found out that they had expedited a hearing while I was driving. And because I wasn't present, it was thrown out. So at that point, I was charged with parental kidnapping. Oh. And subpoenaed back. And I could not reference the case because it had been thrown out. Right. There was, in the court's eyes, there was no reason for me to leave the state. Mm -hmm. And they took my kids. Mm. And it took me nine years to get custody back. Nine and a half years. And so through all of those court battles and, you know, situations where my daughters were calling me while they were hiding in the closet... Um, because he was on one of his drunken benders and smashing things in the house. And, um, you know, that happened more, more times than I can count. And every time I, there was nothing that I could do because in the beginning, the first two times that happened, I called the police. Well, the police would come and in front of him, he would say, are you guys, do you guys feel unsafe? So my daughters and his wife and their infant son, they're all looking at the cop going, no, we, we're fine. We don't feel unsafe because they were terrified. And so then when we went to court, I was considered a crazy lady, basically, because I was calling the police. So then after those two times, they were like, you can't call the police anymore. They have to call the police because we don't believe that this is going on. So then, of course, he said to them, I'm going to kill your mom if you ever say anything negative about me. And that was nine years, nine years of that. And I got to a point where I was so depressed and so anxious um, and just obsessed over what was happening with my kids. I couldn't think about anything else. Um, and I started bouncing from job to job and my life kind of just fell apart. Um, and then, <laughs> and then I met the man that I'm with right now. Jamie. And he, before yes. you tell me about the man you're with now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that because I know that that, that moment in time 
not was not easy for you and having to having to share it again I know is not easy yeah but you're doing it because I know that your message is going to share is going to reach somebody that needs it yeah for sure and I I want I wanted to go back to what you said about having choices you know yes at that that moment in time, I'm sure you you felt like you didn't right, and because right. you were you wanted to protect, you wanted to make it all better, right. until until that moment in time that you you said I can't anymore, right? right. right. Um, but I'm really sorry that that um that life you know threw threw some nasty curveballs at you. Yeah. But I'm happy that you stood up. Yes. I'm so happy that you got back up and you kept on swinging. Yeah, because for sure. It was so, it's so easy to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to say, it didn't right. work out, you know, and right. just quit. But you didn't. You're a fighter. You're yeah. a, you are a mom with a superpower. <laughs> superpower is being a warrior, girl. Yes, <laughs> so, sure. So thank you. Thank you for sharing and being so welcome. It's funny because when people um, hear my story and they say you're a survivor, you're, you know, a domestic violence victim, I always say, no, I'm a conqueror. Amen. Yes, you are. I'm a conqueror. Don't call me a victim. Don't call me a survivor. I'm a conqueror because literally survivor means you just lived. You didn't thrive. And for all of that time, that's all I was doing was surviving that because I was in survival mode. Um, And there's one, like people always say, what would you, if you had the opportunity to go back, you know, when and what would you tell yourself? Um, And there was one particular instance where, because my youngest daughter we are so, so close and have always been so close. Um, I mean, since she was born, she was little, little in her hot, in her chair, um, car seat behind me. And she would say, hand mommy, hand, because I had to reach back and so give her sweet. a hand so she could hold my hand. All right. Um, and to this day, if I go and visit her, she runs to me to this. She's 24 years old. And I can literally see all of her hair (laughs) as she runs to me. Um, So we've always been very, very close. And there was this one particular Sunday, which was our um, switch day, because I I had them every other weekend for almost nine years. Um, And she just was like, no, I'm not going back. Um, She was seven. She's like, no, I'm not going back. And she crawled as much as she could underneath the seat in the back as much as she could get her body underneath the seat. And then, you know, and I'm trying to coax her out and he's, you know, at his car being very impatient and belligerent and, you know, calling me all kinds of names and stuff. And it was just chaos. And I finally get her out and she just wraps her body around me. And she was like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And she was just crying and crying. And it was just so just overwhelming yeah so heartbreaking and he walks up to me and I was like just just give me a second just give me a minute 
and he looks at me and he spits in my face, like full on <sighs> in my face. And I was so shocked. And then he takes his hand cause she's wrapped around me and she, he takes his hand and he punches me in the stomach and then sweeps his arm through around her torso and he yanks her out of my arms. And I fell to the ground to my knees and she's just screaming at this point. Um, and it knocked the wind out of me and, mm -hmm. and I, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't like stand up. And she was so distraught because she saw me on the ground and he put her in the car and drove away. And I sat on that ground just sobbing and falling apart. Um, and I drove home and I got into my house and I just collapsed onto the ground um, in the little hallway. And I can remember as I passed out or fell asleep or whatever, um, I can remember thinking, I don't wanna be here anymore. I just don't, I can't, I can't do this. Um, and then what woke me up, <laughs> this is just, I'm getting goosebumps. Um, what woke me up is this song in my head by Whitney Houston. Um, and I'll have to find it so your listeners can, can know the song that I'm talking about. But this song says, if there's a time when you can't see the rain, the sun for the rain. And the, the whole song, all of the lyrics are like God speaking to me. Um, and that's what, that's what woke me. Um, and then I, you know, went into my bed and I called my mom and I was just like, you know, and my mom was like, Jamie, just come home. Just come home. You, you don't have to put yourself through this. And I said, mom, if I left them here, I would never be able to look myself in the face. And, you know, cause she was like, well, it's only 10 years until Shelby's 18 and it's only, you know, eight years until, and I said, right, exactly. So as a mom, I have, I have to stay. And I don't believe that I would have the relationship with my girls today if I had left. If I had left them here to literally battle him on his own. And not be their oasis, you know? I just can't even imagine moving back to California and kind of, because I would have felt like I gave up. Right, well, you, you made know? a choice and you made the right one. Right. You definitely made the right one. Yeah, for um, sure. So now tell us about, um, in this whole time, right, the, um, what what did you transition to as far as 
uh, sustainability, work, things like that. Yeah. So um, I was working for myself because of all the court dates and all of the emotional stuff. I just could not hold down a regular job. Um, even though I was, you know, always upfront, honest, and, you know, talked a lot about my kids and the um, custody dispute and, and everything, it always became an issue, um, you know, because I would have to go to this parent-teacher conference, to that parent-teacher conference, to this mediation, to the guardian ad litem appointments, and it was just always, you know, so um, I was um, the book lady. <laughs> so, you know, in your kid's school, the person who comes and drops off books um, that can be ordered, mm -hmm. that's what I did. That's what I did for seven years. That's what I did. And, um, and I loved it because it did give me the freedom, but it was very, you know, the income was sporadic and stuff. So, um, but it gave me the freedom to, to be wherever I needed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was very, that was a stressful piece of having a nine to five job. Um, because I, I would never say to the courts, Oh, sorry, I can't make it. I have to work. That was not an option. Um, because I didn't want to be like, Oh, well, you know, he's, he's stable. He's got a good job. He's got a stay at home wife. You know, they have two kids now, you know, they're perfect little, you know, family. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to be accessible. Um, so through that, it's, it, I have the, one of my superpowers is connecting with people. And so through my, um, my self-employment, I met so many amazing people. And for some reason, the school nurses and the um, assistant principals were always people who I just vibed with throughout all of the schools. And I covered Southern Maine and New Hampshire. So that was hundreds of schools. Um, and I just always, you know, found these people who were spiritual. Um, you know, um, one lady in particular, um, Actually, that's not true. There was a whole bunch of them that would see me and go, oh, honey, you're having a bad day. Can, we, can I pray with you? Can we, can we pray? Let's go in my office and talk. And so I just always felt. A connection. So, yes. A pull. Yes, to these spiritual people. Um, and so that in turn helped me to look internally and to say, okay, I can't control the court stuff, but I can control my reaction to it. Yes. Yeah. So then I started coming up with strategies with my kids. You know, I didn't want them to not tell me stuff that was happening, but I needed them to categorize it. So we came up with the one, two, three. And even to this day, we still use it. So a one is you just want me to listen. A two is you want me to listen and give you advice. And three is you want me to listen, give advice, and do something. What kind of action do you want me to take? So when they were um, coming to me, they had to have that already formulated. Mm -hmm. Because then it took the um, responsibility 
of me saying to myself, what am I going to do with that information? Right. Right. So that was very helpful because then they started really confiding in me and really having um, an outlet where they didn't worry about their consequences. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So with that and, you know, reading all kinds of personal development books um, that turned into business books, you know, Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Eckhart Tolle's books and journaling. Um, And I started trying to meditate, but I was not successful. Um, To all the mamas out there that suffer from trying to meditate, I hear you, girl. (laughs) so hard. It is is so hard because... Silencing that brain. (laughs) Oh, it is so difficult. So if you don't find that it works for you, here's what I started to do. I learned about grounding techniques. Mm. And so when I would take my dogs for a walk, um, I wouldn't wear shoes. Mm -hmm. And so I would be saying my positive affirmations, um, doing my grounding techniques, um, you know, wiggling your toes, um, concentrating on your different body parts, um, which allows silence, right? Because if you're focused on that, then you're not focused on all of the crap going on in your head. Correct. Right? So, so yeah, so those are some of the things that I, I learned during that, um, during that time. Excellent. So tell us now about the storytelling. Mm. So I've always been a storyteller all my life. Um, I've always been that, that kid that everybody wanted to tell the story. Um, and even stories that I was told, people would be like, no, no, let Jamie tell it, let Jamie tell it. <laughs> um, because I just have that, that knack. Um, and I think it's because growing up, we were obsessed with television, my brothers and I, obsessed to the point where we would reenact movies. The Wizard of Oz was my favorite. So when it was my turn to pick, <laughs> I would always pick The Wizard of Oz. Um, and then we would divvy up the parts. You know, my brother, my older brother would be this, this and this. And then, you know, and then we would reenact it, you know. And um, we did The Princess Bride. We did, um, um, oh, what's that movie? I can't think of it now, but we, that's what we would do. And so then that morphed into writing for me um, and writing different types of stories. And um, so that's how it started. But then as I got into high school and the oral um, presentations that I would give and seeing everybody just so enthralled Um, it was like a high for me. So now what I do is I teach people how to do storytelling that's authentic to them because not everybody's going to um, be able to accomplish my style. Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out what your style of storytelling is because everybody can do it. Everybody can do it especially if you're telling your own story. 
can you give us a tip that you can, yes. that, that our ladies can utilize? Yes. So in business, especially you have to be comfortable with your story. You have to embrace all parts of your story in order to tell it. So the easiest way to do that is by video. And a lot of people will be like, oh no, I can't, you know, I can't do that. I can't tell my story on video. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be, and I'm gonna use this word, triggered. It's okay because all you're doing is reminding your brain of a time when you were scarred, but a scar is strength because you survived. Amen. And you, you are now thriving. So if you are triggered, the more you tell it, the less you're going to be triggered. However, if it's right, it, however, if it's very traumatic, um, what I suggest is telling, recording it, and then using that piece whenever it's you know appropriate, so that you don't actually have to relive it right. um, until you. But I was in therapy for the entire time I was in my custody battle, and for years after, um, because I wanted to continue to be the better version of myself. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to tell you, ladies out there, parenting adults is so much harder than parenting littles. <laughs> <laughs> Because as adults, you're really, my grandmother used to say, you're just like bumpers, you know, you like the bumper cars, you yeah. know, you're the frame with all the cushioning and you're just hoping that they don't bang into you hard, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That the lessons that they learn are going to be easy, mm -hmm. but we all know that's not the case. Never. <laughs> never. Never. And so parenting adults, once your kids are grown, if you haven't started your personal development journey, you better start it mm -hmm. because you're going to have so many mirror moments. That's what I call them. When your kids hold up a mirror and you're like, damn, they got that from me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Right. And you can't react. <laughs> and you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to deal with it. My little one, she's so stubborn. So, so stubborn. And at first, I would just argue with her and be like, rah, rah, you know, why don't you listen to blah, blah, blah. You know, but through therapy, I realized she's just like me when I was that age. And so me coming at her, that's not the way to deal with her. A waste that's of energy, right? I, it, mind you, ladies, we all know that it's easier said than done, but oh it, my God. it is a process and it is something that we need to work on because we got it to be the best, the best us for our kids. And we have to model exactly what we want to see for them. Exactly. Exactly. It's never say, do what I say, not what you see. Right. It, that's right. never the right option. So, mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, so the imposter syndrome also comes into play because we build up these personas, right? These personas that we think we're showing our kids. You know, 
I, I, I'm honest, I'm, um, you know, trustworthy, I'm reliable. You know, a lot of parents would like to believe that, but are you really? Are you really modeling every single day that type of behavior? And we are all going to be challenged. We're all going to struggle. And I 100% believe <clears throat> my kids were the happiest when I said, ooh, I really fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I fell flat on my face um, on that one. You know, and they would just laugh with me. Because your kids need to see that you are human yeah. and that mistakes are okay. And yeah. they're not, they're, nothing is the end of the world. Correct. So, so true. So true. Just, just remember, you are uniquely qualified to be their mom. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, and um, please, Jamie, let us know um, where our listeners could reach you and find out more about you and your services uh, on online. Sure. So Jamie Perkins Storyteller is my name on Facebook and you can friend request me. Um, you can reach out by direct message um, and, and just, and pick my brain. I offer um, free consultations of an hour um, because if you're just starting out, you might not be able to afford somebody, you know, somebody on a regular basis and that's okay. Um, I, I do produce a lot of free content on my YouTube channel. Um, so my business is Solutions for Solopreneurs. And so you can find me everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter. <laughs> I will share all of that in our show notes because we have an audience for every platform. <laughs> yes. And that's why I'm on everything. Um, but right now I am doing a special for content creation. And the reason, because a lot of people get hung up on creating content. They're like, oh, I don't know what to write about. I don't know what to post about. I don't know what to do a video on, you know, all of that. So my content creation mastermind is basically um, helps you systematize that process so that you batch content, you create and batch content and schedule it out. Um, because that's really the key. And, and people have to realize that if you put yourself into a position where you're expecting that you are going to create content every single day, you're setting yourself up for failure. Of course. Of course. Well, <laughs> so contentcreationmastermind.com. Excellent. I, I'll share that in the notes. Thank you so much for, for being on, on, on today. And we look forward to get to seeing more of you on social you. media and sharing that love. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. Thank you for listening to The Power Within. If you are a courageous woman and you would like to be a guest on my show, let's connect. Also, if you like what you heard, give it a rate and review. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any weekly episode.